Yes, yes, y'all. 2019 live and direct. This is the Black Russian Podcast. I am Tion Buku One. I am Yula. And we are here with episode 37, Love Languages, the languages of love. Mm-hmm. Many, 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 many languages. We think we speak the same, but we really don't. And that's a lot of the issue with most of our relationship problems. But before we get any further into that stuff, I would like to say our disclaimer. Our disclaimer is this. We at the Black Russian Podcast do not advocate any one style over another style of relationship. We don't advocate monogamy, non-monogamy, open, poly, or any of that stuff. Neither of them, none of them are more or less divine than any of the others. It is the quality of work that is put in to the relationship and within ourselves doing the root work. What we advocate is non-mandated open dialogued relationships not just open and sexy whether you're open or monogamous or sex is up to you but open dialogue open to grow open to talk open to be each other and in pro empowerment so whatever platform that works for you that is all you so as we get into this one let's recap the last episode which was episode 36 which we got into open and closed states of function and legacy gender roles. Mm-hmm. I'll let Eula take over the recap since you were the leader of that pack. Oh, okay. Uh, open and close. It's really... Uh-oh, I'm not speaking loud enough. Uh, you know, open and close is a really interesting, uh, I guess, pondering that, you know, I uh, came across just thinking about my stuff and how I react to things. And then uh, we talked about, you know, you can close yourself up when you feel a uh, fearful reaction to something and then let the ego take over and keep protecting you and stay closed. Right. Which usually perpetuates the things that we fear and does not lead to anything, uh, you know, new, happy you just basically end up staying in the same spot right and then open is when you are open to letting all those negative difficult feelings come in and then still decide to be um, you know to get through them and see what's on the other side versus getting closed off and stay protected. Right, yeah, it's very hard for us to grow when we're in a closed mind state or closed state of being. Um, Closed, like she's saying, it really protects 
our status quo, our comfort, yeah. our security, but there's not growth in that. It's very hard to grow. And another analogy for that is operating from a point of scarcity where you feel there's not enough, therefore you must hoard, and you must protect, and you must you know store nuts away, so to speak, or operating from a state of abundance where you feel there's more. The more love you give, the more love you have, the more there's, there's enough for everything to go around if you circulate it. Therefore, you're more willing to let go and embrace and grow because you know there's more, um, there's enough to go around. There's good things to come and stuff like that. And then, you know, with, uh, I, I had this old uncle that was a professor of uh, English at, I think, Chicago Community College. And he was saying how cool it is when you learn a new word, then you start noticing everywhere. And, you know, I started noticing once I clarified in my mind that I can choose between closed and open stage states and what happens in closed versus uh, open. And then once I vocalized on the last podcast, now it's really interesting to observe how people around us make decisions and you know you can tell if the decisions are made from the closed fearful state of uh, scarcity or from the open state and it has nothing to do with decisions in personal relationships or love or it's it, you know it's everywhere it's how we deal with kids it's how we deal with money it's how we deal with business how we deal with uh, anything that comes up, really. It's really interesting to observe that. Yeah, so love versus fear as far as, you know, being able to identify um, why we do what we do. A lot of times we, we start off of why we do what we do as an object referral thing. Well, I did this because there, I, there, my options were this and that, and if they do this, I do that. But deeper than each circumstance, there's a root reasons there's a, a set of root reasons why we do what we do. And it's usually to protect a narrative that we have about ourselves, protect a state of comfort for ourselves. Um, and as we talk about in many of the podcast episodes, um, the majority of why we do what we do is to either to bring in an emotion that we like or to protect ourselves from feeling emotions that we like. So in love, we open up and we accept these emotions and we embrace them. In fear or close, we block them out. We repress things that are not comfortable for us, therefore keeping us in similar places. Um, so that was that part, and also we got into legacy gender roles. Yeah, legacy gender roles are really interesting as you know we start uh, or continue looking at how uh, women react and make decisions versus how men react and make decisions. I mean, that topic is so deep and wide and current and there are so many sensitivities on both sides and so much to get through that, you know, I think the conversation that we had last time was literally, you know, for us, just the little beginning of what's going to be an ongoing, has been an ongoing thing. You know, we can talk about it within uh, uh, parameters or, you know, details of our relationship and that has changed and has been changing within the parameters of what people ask us about our relationship when, you know, they either listen to the podcast, like you guys have questions, and then if you start knowing us more personally, you start pointing things out, like, hey, why is she doing that? Is that what she wants to do? Is that really what she wants to do? Or is it her bending to your 
to Tion's, uh, you know, preferences and desires. And, you know, we all, like, it's all very, there is no linear answers. It's all what what comes down to, what it comes down to, it's all in how we understand where each one is starting at, the point that we're at, and where we want to be, and then the balance of things all in between. Right. It's not very black and white. It's not, you know, we came from women were oppressed and men were assholes and now we've realized that and now we're going to revolutionize the whole thing and fuck the men and you know make them do everything that women do like that's not very accurate because i didn't come from you know women are oppressed and men are assholes and you know i don't necessarily need to have tion do everything that i do but everyone's balance is different right and you know the thing of one for one is a tricky one because on the surface it's like whatever we we split everything down 50-50 but that's not how we all work. Some of us are more creative. Some of us are more organized. Some of us are more planners. Some of us are more sponta- spontaneous. 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 So in or, instead, really of being 50, spontaneous. Right, instead of being 50, 50, how about we find our balance? Yep. And everybody's balance is different. Sometimes someone goes, well, I'm going to take, I naturally like to do more of the housework. Okay, well, I'm naturally going to do more of the running of the errands and this and that. What well, I, I naturally... Um, in my life, in my position, I'm much more comfortable in handling the financial side of things. And the other one's like, okay, great. I'm much more adept at handling the spiritual and cultural side of things. And so we work together to balance it out at the same time, learning and supporting each other. So we support each other. Whoever's leading, the other one supports and vice versa. Um, And this way, you have more of a harmonious flow based upon what you guys are feeling as opposed to some rigid thing that's preset that you must fit in order to be deemed balanced and fair i think that it's uh you know it's really important to understand where each person in the relationship like comes from what's the starting point what's the history um and then we can figure out what is our own balance right it's not exact you know there is no prescription for uh balancing out a relationship between a man and a woman Right. Uh, it's just like we say, you know, we what we're sharing here is not a blueprint. Uh, same thing for you know every relationship. You guys are all different. Right. Yeah. And we we try to provide tools because we nerd out on this stuff. So we spend hours and hours and days and days and weeks and weeks and months and years, um, nerding out on this stuff to be able to provide references and tools for those of you who don't feel like they want to nerd out 24 hours a day on relationships. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there's other things that you guys do that you nerd out on that we uh, utilize as a resource. Yeah. And so we try to share these things. Um, the core thing about balancing out is not the object referral things, like one for one in action. What we do advocate as far as balancing is balance space for voice, balance space to be heard, to be seen, um, empowering each other's voice to communicate and to learn each other's selves and to speak that, that's where the balance of equality really starts. And that's the difficult part, you know, like I uh, have come into this relationship going, yeah, I have no problems with, uh, you know, I didn't grow up with men telling me what to do. Like I'm pretty self-empowered. And then I run into very nitty gritty personal uh, 
decisions that <coughs> are very hard for me to make because I feel a barrier there. Right. You know, and then I have to question, all right, is this the barrier because I'm a woman and Tian's a man? Is there is it something else? You know, the first knee jerk is uh, you know, and like specifically speaking, because we like specifics now. Uh, specifically speaking of, you know, I'm pretty empowered in 98% uh, of my life. And then when it comes to very sensitive area of, like, hey, Tion, I like this guy, and I'm sexually attracted to him, uh, it's been really difficult for me to voice that and feel empowered to say that. So for so many years, like for many, many years, majority of our life together, it was my voice, the voice in my head was like, well, because Tion can't handle it and therefore it's hard for me to say it so I'm not going to say it yeah, you know yeah. and it's taking us so much time and so many very 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 difficult uh, situations where he's like what the fuck you know and I'm like I just can't physically do it uh, where finally I feel like I'm getting to the actual core reasons and they're not Tion related you know, shockingly so. So it's not a man-to-woman situation at all. Right. And, you know, I finally have gone deep enough to where I'm like, oh, it is not it. Right. So, you know, we can spend years and years doing this knee-jerk dance of, no, he's a man, he can't handle it, I'm going to hide it, I'm going to overstand it, uh, and it's just wrong. Right. You know, and then he starts, he feels like, what the hell? I'm not doing this to you. You know, you're making me feel like I'm crazy. I'm telling you I'm not doing this to you. And, you know, I'm like, yeah, whatever. You think you're not doing it, but I feel it. And in reality, what I'm feeling is not it. It's not his oppressing me. Like, not him oppressing me. It's something else. So, you know, the whole, like, men-women situation, like I, you know, said in the beginning, is super complex. There's a lot of a lot of our own traumas that we bring into our relationships and because this whole you know women empowerment and and patriarchy and all that is a hot topic it's really easy to just throw it all into one pot and you know one thing i am is i'm super not into um going with the flow of what's popular and i'm really into actually understanding where what's going on like what what um uh, who's pulling the strings you know and strings are usually being pulled on both sides and then you know where's the actual balance right yeah it's all where we really are about nuance learning that for ourselves and trying to amplify that like nuance and articulation of concepts and ideas a lot of times when we communicate especially relationships, we assume we know everything about each other enough to where we speak in short term, I mean short term. Um, like in text, people just text one or two words. People do that. We do that in real life in relationships. And, you know, for example, one person could just say, I miss you. And that has two completely different meanings, but we'll both respond to it in our own definition and not understand why the other one's yeah. responding the way they are. But we don't ever go, hey, I, um, before I, I'm feeling the kind of way, my definition of I miss you is this. Um, what is yours? We don't do that because if we did that, we f- clearly understand like, oh, shit, it's a very different definition. Um, my re- my reaction would have been completely yeah. unfounded because that's not what you're trying to say. Um, but we 
do that so much. We speak very different languages based upon our upbringing and our habits, our reinforced habits, fears and traumas and things like that. So, you know, to really understand the branches of the tree and the fruit of the tree, so to speak, you have to really understand the root. Um, And it comes with a lot of, you know, root work. So in a relationship, it's very important for each person to learn and do their own root work. Because if we understand our origin, our traumas, our triumphs, we can help articulate that to our partner, which will help them understand why we do what we do. If we can't and we're reacting to impulse, then they have no chance of being able to keep up with us. And there's going to be a lot of bumpy bumpies or just choosing to not deal with things yeah and then also we are like you know people i'm i'm um having fun with the word jealous because i've learned to myself finally what my feeling of jealousy is right and i'm seeing very clearly it's very different for different people right right but once we say the word jealous like once we verbalize it to ourselves it automatically is a negative thing right and without understanding like, what does it mean to me? Right. Like, we just automatically go into this dark space. I'm just, I'm jealous. Right. I really think that if we spend time and understand what that really means, and it's not so hard. You know, listening to people describe what they feel when they say jealous, it's not that hard to understand that, oh, this is like, you know, like my personal definition of jealousy, I finally understood is like the fear of missing out. Right. You know, I like to spend time with him so much that when he's out with somebody else, I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, right. what about my time? Like, I, and it's not that I don't want him to be there, but I also want to be there. Right. You know, and that's my jealousy. Like, that's my definition of jealousy. Right. Other people's jealousy can be, well, he's getting his, I'm not getting mine. What the fuck? Right. You know? Yeah, like, you know, like mine would be, if she's out having a blast, that may mean the possible departure or end of what we have because in my, you know, my trauma is based upon that. You know, when I, in my early years and up to middle school and high school, usually when someone... I was close to a woman that I was close to met another guy that they're excited about that meant that was the end of us because it was one at a time right um, and so my trauma is like well if she's having a good time which I hope she is um, it can very much mean that when she comes back she's not really gonna you know it's gonna be different to where she's not gonna so, be here so you know I think that for myself and I've been telling you that you know more and more I'm like instead of saying I'm jealous which no one wants to say right right we say hey I'm FOMO it's a lot more fun for me to say a lot more fun for you to hear like if you were to name yours what would it be right well I would I wouldn't even name mine I would just speak on what it is because I what you're saying is makes perfect sense because FOMO has a much more fun connotation than jealousy right Um, mine would just be like I think if you I know. say FOMO, it inspires you to include me even more when right. you're out. You're like, oh, okay, I, she can't be physically here, but right. I can, whatever, send her updates. Right. Yeah, I haven't thought about what my code word would be. I think it would be a lot easier and more fun for all of us to get, like, to understand what that is, right? right? What is it that we mean when we say we're jealous? And instead of using the word jealous, right. just give it another name. And that way, you know, we're not as scared to use it. And then our partner is way more understanding. Right. Yeah. Create a, if you create a name, create 
make sure with that name you've created a clear definition so your partner knows what code you're speaking. Um, and I've always, you know, like for a lot of the early years of us being married and obviously me being open and non-monogamous since before we were married, um, I really didn't like the term marriage because it was a very strong label, right? Like jealousy is a very strong label. People have a very imprinted definition of what marriage is. And they see marriage as this all for one, taken, kept person. And since my marriage allowed me to be open and navigate and connect with different women, I felt that if I say marriage too soon, it gives them a definition that's not true to what I am. Right. And so what I would naturally do is I would rather just define our relationship. I would tell them we've been together this amount of time. We connect on these many levels. We, sh we have you know two kids that I was able to apprentice with that I became co-parents with. We have our own child. We live together. We do these great things. And she's the closest person to me. Right. Because that has a different feeling. Yep. It's a much more in-depth. So if we choose to go and use the articulation that we have, which maybe an extra five more minutes in a conversation, and yeah. instead of saying those label words, yeah. just say, you know, I'm feeling really, really low and a little hurt right now. I'm a little sensitive because of this, you know, and talk about what it is as opposed to I'm hella jealous or I'm just a jealous person. Yeah, yeah. And these things like that. Yeah, um, that, I mean, it's just, there's so much behind it every time I hear someone saying I'm jealous I literally want to grab them and be like all right let's spend an hour just actually talking about what is it how you feel and right. I promise you that if you are not scared to describe honestly what you feel we're going to come out of this hour with a much lighter attitude and much better understanding of what right. exactly you're feeling yeah just like when we, when we were at that uh, black woman is God event and the lady was talking about jealousy, and she said, jealousy is not a conclusive word. It's a it's a note to check in. Like, ooh, I'm feeling a little, yeah. a little jealous, a little sensitive. Like, let me check in with myself. It's an indicator of a fear or a discomfort. But it doesn't, it's not a conclusive thing. It's not a it's not a defined thing. So, you know, details, go into details, define, allow yourself to um not be defined by labels because sometimes that word to another person can be something very different to you. And yep. if it's not clear, we can be moving um, with different assumptions without even going into that. So speaking of that type of stuff, before we go into your ponderings, um, I really want to talk in specifically about navigating um, non-monogamy, especially if you're going from most of your life or most of your relationship being monogamous. Um, when you come into this space... One thing that is very important, you know, in my mind is understanding that you guys are giving each other one of the highest privileges and one of the rarest privileges that any relationships give each other, which is complete freedom to be who you are, to choose to connect with people as you wish. Um, it's a huge gift and it comes with great responsibility. So to show each other that you guys both understand the privilege of it, you have to earn that privilege with each other. And by earning that privilege is being able to navigate this freedom and at the same time maintain your priorities and your connection with your core partner. Um, it is not a given an assumption that it's just gonna be good. Um, you really have to work at proving to each other and earning the privilege of having this freedom each day. Um, and I think that gets lost. We kind of, some, we just hit the, some we just get free. We think that it's okay, I'm free, I can do whatever I want to do. Um, and we, we kind of lose sight of honoring 
the core relationship that's really empowering us to be all that we are? So I think that, um, you know, there's obviously a lot of things that are playing into, into that. And a couple that, you know, come to mind now are, one, it's popular to be open. You know, it's cool. Right. So um, I think there's some of that going on. If you're open-minded, oh, okay, well, I'm woke in other areas of my life. Right. Uh, and, you know, I'm more advanced. I understand that I don't own this person. And I also understand that, you know, we both are attracted to other people. Let's just be open. Right. Which is great. That's a good start. Right. But because maybe, uh, you know, it's popular, more and more people do it. There's a lot of, uh, you know, different articles. There's more and more like, you know, videos and shows and all that stuff. Uh, it's easier to make that decision. Right. Right. But then, of course, human nature, you know, we don't usually or we don't always think a lot of things through. Right. And this space is so complicated and so emotionally charged that it is, even when we do think things through, there's going to be stuff that's difficult that we're not going to be able to foresee, that we're going to have to navigate as it comes up. Right. Uh, that going in without a basic roadmap and basic agreements and basic resources of right. who to go to is really extremely difficult and dangerous and yeah. uh, will be a, a lot more painful um, and then, you know, can lead to an aborted open the relationship, yeah. you know, like it's, um, I, I think, you know, we're here as a resource. We started this podcast realizing that we're able to talk to our friends uh, about, the, about things like that, you know, uh, where... It, it's not always available to people right. and uh, it's cool for you guys to reach out to us and ask yeah. questions yeah, it's, 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 it actually benefits us and um, the one thing like every time I we, you know we sit with a couple or talk to a friend who's going through the certain things that which reminds me is like um, this space is very 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 difficult for many reasons um, one of the reasons is it's completely counter to what our society, our family, our internal emotional wiring has been up to this point. Even if we were promiscuous, even if we were dating a lot, it's very, very different because it's, it involves depth. It involves a lot of things that we don't do as far as in multiplicity. We do this in singular space, but so there's a lot. And also, um, I always, I feel like an open relationship, open space, it doesn't necessarily create problems. It reveals obstacles, which and brings up parts of you that you didn't realize were there. I um, think that, you know, a super easy illustration on how difficult this place is, is just check and see, have you told your parents that right. you're open? Or friends. Or friends. Who have you told? And you'll be like, yeah, I'm not telling anyone. Right. Why is that? Because we will be faced or we're afraid that we will be faced with... Uh, a negative reaction, which most of us face. Right. And versus, oh, we're getting married. Great. You know, right. congratulations. And, if, you know, try saying, hey, we have decided very consciously that we will have a non-monogamous relationship. 
how difficult is that versus oh we just got engaged right you know like there so, is no no registry for yeah. you know celebrating an open relationship so it's it's difficult it's you know overall it's very it's, it's it's one of those things where it's almost easier now to come out as gay or something sexual in nature or binary so on and so forth than it is to say I'm going to be in an open relationship and not monogamy for many areas, not all areas, but for many areas. Um, also, since it's such a taboo and it's the thing that we keep in the shadows a lot of times is we either don't reach out to the resources that we have, right. we don't seek resources um, because we feel like, you know, it's uncomfortable. And so what happens is we're going into a very, very different, a very intricate, very self-reflective space with no information, no experience, and no guidance. And as it unearths all these emotions and triggers, a lot of us don't have any tools on how to deal with those things that are coming up within ourselves. Nonetheless, the things that are coming up from my other partner and how we're reacting to each other, yeah. it comes, it hits you so fast. Well, no, yeah, the fears come out and the way that we react to fears is defensive right? Uh, because we haven't trained ourselves. And, you know, I... Um, I listened to an unrelated podcast and it had to do with, you know, um, like uh, bad people or people that we consider being bad don't see themselves as really bad people. And at the same time, really good people that do, you know, heroic things uh, that we consider heroic do not see themselves as heroic. And... The co you know, there's clear commonality there. And, you know, this guy was saying the reason for it is because we don't set out to be a bad person or a good person. You know, human nature is such that we follow a series of, you know, like encouragements that come up along the way from our parents. Right. You know, do good, be good in school, you know, uh, think about your career, do, you know, take these steps. So we all kind of set out to... Uh, go through life following those, you know, carrots. carrots. We, call the, we call it the dangled carrots. Yeah, syndrome. like dangling carrots. And then some people, depending on who's putting the carrots in front of them, you know, end up being really bad, and others end up being heroes. Right. But we don't often, or most of the time, sit down and make a plan for ourselves. Here's where I am. Here's where I want to be, and these are the steps that I'm going to take. You know, there's a little, I mean, there's, I've, heard, I've listened to other podcasts that basically will walk you through being an athlete right. and then having an injury and then wanting to come back and compete again and then coming across someone that tells you, hey, take this. Right. And you can actually get a prescription for it. And you go and get that prescription without thinking that that might be legal. Right. And then like little by little, those carrots lead you to being like a full on drug dealer. Right. You didn't set out to do that. Right. You know, but like those, the, the immediate needs led you to it. And the same, you know, when we were talking about open relationships, Right, it's it's you you've made a decision. We both understand we want to be open, right. and then we start taking steps. Okay, great. And then we're both on OKC, and then we meet people, and then we just go with how it feels. Right. 
Yeah, and it goes and it gets crazy um, fast because a lot of times the work that we need to do within ourselves to understand how we're going to respond yeah. to these different scenarios we don't do, mm-hmm. and what happens is we don't do them, and so we get blindsided by actions from the other person because we've never seen our partner act naturally as they would with freedom. (laughs) And so that's triggering us. And then the feelings that we're feeling inside of ourselves, either when we're meeting somebody or when they're meeting somebody, there's a storm of feelings that come really, really fast and there's nobody to hold your hand. We didn't seek any guidance out. We have no life rafts or we're afraid to speak to anybody. And so it just becomes reactionary pinging That's to where, you know. That's Wonderlust is a good example of that. Wonderlust is a great example of that. If you haven't seen our Wonderlust, uh, Wonderlust is a Netflix show that somewhat grazes and attempts at discussing non-monogamy in a marriage and all that stuff. But we did a review about it. You should check out our YouTube for that. But... um. You know, you get hit with so many things. And one of the things that we talked about, we talk about it in the episode of Yucking Yums, is we don't understand what freedom looks like to another person. We think we know the person because we've locked ourselves down in a room and called marriage. And we have these very tight, confined walls. And so it's a nice, secure fantasy. And we think we know each other and we think we care, but we're very restrictive about it. And we, we can avoid, we can ignore the fact that we're very, really restrictive because marriage does it for us. And then all of a sudden you get excited, you feel like you're so close and you're bonded, you're ready to go out, let's grow and you do this open thing. And all of a sudden, the person spreads their wings and you see colors that you've never seen from this person. And they walk differently when they don't have to be fit in a box and they act differently and then you start seeing the other things that they desire in life besides just you. And it's very jarring. And some people just want to sample the flavors and just try little restaurants each day and travel. Other people want to deeply learn the craft, the trade of the Italian food or this spot. And they go deep, deep, like in love deep. And it's very triggering and both parties may think the other one's doing it wrong. Where it's just reality is people do things differently open means open free means free the only core thing we must try to navigate is honoring each other and honoring the commitment but even saying that is not clear enough yep what does honoring the commitment mean what does maintaining our connection mean um, a lot of people assume it means something in physical world connect uh, monitoring the connection means you talk to me more than you talk to them or you talk talking to anybody after 8 p.m. or whatever everybody has different different uh, boundaries but they need to be discussed and they're not and so next thing you know it's a whirlwind of insanity each person's both feeling hurt and both kind of feeling resentful like hey I thought we were gonna I thought I was free to do this and then we watch it seesaw right first maybe the woman gets her freedom and she's out and she's having a good time and she's trying it out and she's not being as forthright and face planning whatever and the guy's at home like what happened I thought we were gonna it's gonna be our thing and and the woman's like, I'm trying to figure it out. Blah, 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 blah. So she's defensive because she has her freedom. And why can't I? I thought we agreed. I can, you know. And then all of a sudden you watch a seesaw. Then the guy does it. Maybe the guy does it in a way that's very different than the woman. And he's a deep diver. And he's all caught up. And he's all giggly, giggly, giggly. One person hella deep. And then it's just like, now he's on the other side, like feeling like, oh, I get my chance. This is great. I'm going to do it how I want to do it. And then she could be like, wait. That's not what we talked about. That's not what we agreed upon. I thought it was going to be. 
and all these different words that were used in the beginning, like, oh, we're not going to get that close, or it's just going to be for fun. Like, the definition of all those words is very different. Like, not that close, what does that mean? Yeah. Just having fun, what does that mean? You know, is it freedom, or is it free to do it? If we, are we both doing it how you do it? Yeah. And all of a sudden, none of this is talked about, and then everyone's so hurt, they can't talk about this in a, in a healthy way without coming out passive-aggressive, hurt, defensive, angry, resentful, and stuff like that. So without guidance or support, that becomes the stew that erodes the marriage. And then people can go, see, open relationship ruined our marriage. And it's like, no, the lack of communication in a space where you have complete freedom to be who you are ruined, ruined your thing. And so the only way it may have stayed the same is if you lock yourself back in a closet and just clip those wings again and pretended like you never ever wanted any other thing, any other desire other than what you have in that box. So it's pretty hairy. And that's kind of how Wonderlust, Wonderlust ended. Yeah. So hopefully it's not ended, but you know. So yeah, that's a lot. I just wanted to really share just like, guys, this is not easy. This is like a master course where you need all of your faculties at all times. You need to be nourished up. You need to be in touch with yourself. You need to be able to articulate who you are and how you feel in a way that gives the other person room to understand and to be there for you. If we explain how we feel in an attackerous way, they're not going to be able to be there for you because they're defending themselves from the darts you're throwing at them. And a lot of times if we don't know our trauma or haven't really dealt with it that much, what's going to come out when we tell somebody how we feel is the pain and anger from our trauma. And it's going to be hard. So be kind to yourselves. Do the work. Know that freedom is not easy. Freedom still comes with responsibility. And everybody does freedom very differently. So don't be surprised if you actually do things very different than your partner that's the beauty of the freedom that you can without having to break up your relationship. But yeah, but that's can. like the most scary thing. Right. You lose no control. Because Open state, for Because sure. when your partner does things that you don't do, that means that, you know, you're disapproving. Right. You know, just like uh, a lot of uh, complications in my relationship with my mom in my, you know, the years of me... Uh, leaving John and then getting together with you and making choices uh, are based or have been based on the fact that she, those are not the choices that she made for herself. Right. So now that she's watching me make these choices that are making me happy and more free, she's now resentful. And the, re the way that, you know, we can't, w because we're taught to not be resentful, we don't even understand what we feel, uh, we have to uh, look down and put the person, the other person down, right. you know, and act like what I'm doing is wrong and find a very PC reason to say what I'm do that what I'm doing is wrong. You know, you're leaving your kids. Okay, are they starving? Are they, like, right. you know, no, they're pretty happy, but no, you can't leave your kids, you know, you can't make these choices. And it all comes from because I didn't make these choices. Right. You know, so in, a, in an open relationship, if I choose to, you know, maybe not be out and about or just connect to have, you know, sex for as a sport or, right. you know, and then you are out and you connect super deeply with other people, 
my first reaction is like, whoa, 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 right. that's not, uh-uh, you're not supposed to be doing that. Right. And yeah. I'm going to start yeah. making, instead of saying that, hey, let's let's talk about it, I'll be, you know, making you feel bad in some other passive-aggressive ways. Right. And, you know, um, the challenge, the challenge, the challenge is the root of this, all this stuff, challenge is um, do we know how we want to do things? Do we know who we are? Step one. Step two, are we comfortable, confident, and brave enough to tell the other person how we want to do it? Because a lot of times, I believe, when we open relationships up, um, it's not thoroughly thought through of how each one wants to do it. They kind of just kind of get, get in the pool and figure it out, and some just fall in the deep end, some just tread water. But I think there's a root um, desire that they, they're looking to fill. Like, say, for example, you take a guy and a girl, and maybe they've been married for, I don't know, 20-plus years, and it's cool, but, like, it's, you know, there's something missing. So, you know, they open it up, it'll be cool. When they open it up, it's very clear internally what each of them are lacking. They may never articulate it, but then what happens is maybe the woman's going, you know, deep down inside she's like, you know, I have, I've, I've felt needed, but I haven't felt wanted. I haven't felt desired. Um, I really just want to be where I feel desired. I feel something other than a mommy or a, or a wife. And then the guy is like, I just want to feel sexy. I want to try different shit out. And so they never say these things because either A, they don't know it themselves, or they're afraid to articulate that because of what they think the other person may feel. It may trigger the other person. So if the woman said, yeah, like if they, were like, if they sat down and like, okay, let's talk about why we're, why we're opening up and what we hope to find. And the woman goes, well, you know, we give them a truth serum to where they can just say whatever they, the truth without even being worried about what the other person's going to think. The woman goes, you know, I really just want to feel seen again. Like, I'm all into the theater, and I'm all into, like, talking about relationships, and my husband is not. He has a 20-minute timer to where he can handle that, and he tunes the fuck out. I just want to have hours of just long talks and just, just bask in these things that I love, Right? That may trigger the guy. And then the guy can be like, well, I want to have wild sex. I love my wife. We make love, but we don't fuck. I want to fuck. I want nasty fucking. I want different fucking. I want to feel like I'm the shit. I want to taste everything. I want to do now. I want to go to the park and have random sex. I want to meet somebody and have fuck them that night like in the fantasies. So if either of those said those things unabashed to each other, I'm sure it would be very triggering. So they don't say these things. They keep it very PG. Oh, yeah, you know, we're just going to see. And each person already has this core intention of what they really want. And it manifests in their, their reaction and how it plays out. So one person casually dates people here and there. And then one person meets one person and falls deep. And they both look at each other like, and that's what you're talking about. It's a disapproval because what that means to the other person is something very different. If I'm the guy and you're out there falling in love, like I'm looking at, well, shit, if I did that, I know what that would mean to me. Yeah. And that's not good for our, our relationship. And you could be like, no, like me being having the freedom to deep dive makes me love you even more because my life gets brighter and I get more, I grow more. I think that the whole, you know, uh, institution of monogamy really uh, robs us of. Um, time and space to figure out what is it that we want. Right. 
because um, you know even if we had inklings of what we want before we get into a uh, monogamous relationship yeah. by the time we're married we literally put it away yeah because that's not what you're not supposed to fit. bring that in yeah. so that's why when we open it we act like we don't know because a lot of times we don't right. maybe it's like we started away. out like I have always known that I cannot stay monogamous right and but I so therefore I'm like yeah of course that thing the open relationship makes sense right but it's um, I still don't fully understand what is it that I want right like given the freedom how do I use it I feel that once I clearly figure that out right I have no I will have no problem telling you that because our relationship is so you know fundamentally open and strong that I have no problem sharing with you my convicted self like right. my my conviction of hey this is actually what i want it's only when i'm wobbly right that all these other voices come in and like oh you know he's gonna get hurt he's this he's that right. but i it's just like with every other passion if we have a passion we will go through walls to get to it right right so if we have a passion like you and i getting together i felt that very strong need to go through all the obstacles, right? Like none of them mattered. And they were very serious. Right. Like right. they weren't light at all. Right. Right? I had kids, I had family, I had my parents proactively telling me how it's you know, super bad and like proactively making our relationship very difficult. Right. And none of that mattered to me, really. Right. You know? So when you I feel that if we learn and get to the place where we actually feel what we want right then it's so much easier to be very vocal about it right to articulate it and yeah and the one thing about we'll call it clothes but the only type of clothes dynamic we've ever known in relationships is monogamy so and for those of you guys who say no they're they're very anti-monogamy it's like no we're anti-clothes mandated relationship and unfortunately yeah. that's the majority of what we've had um it robs you of a lot of conversations a lot of good conversations that can add color and flavor to your relationship and it robs each person of their individual curiosity and growth because it's a very rigid template like if you're married in a monogamous relationship you're really not supposed to talk about your attractions to other people of uh, you know you're not talking you're not supposed to talk about sexuality that doesn't include your your husband or wife right so then you're also robbing yourself of seeing that person fully Right, because they have to tuck certain right. parts of our sin. Like, ooh, I can't share that part of me. Right. And then all of a sudden, one by one, we start adding to that to where we the parts that we show each other are very minimal. Yep. And then we have two different levels of relationship, which we'll talk about in the next uh, segment. So that's that. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about any of your ponderings? Like, Yoda's been going through a lot of really cool transformations. Um, and maybe we'll do a whole episode soon. But, you know, you want to give them a little, little taste? <laughs> yeah. I think that, you know, like I was saying a little earlier, that it takes time to figure out, uh, well, what do I want? Where are my reactions coming from? You know, obviously, I have tried blaming all that, you know, my inability to be uh, honest with how I feel when I'm attracted to someone on Tion's potential reaction, and that's been proven to be wrong. So, you know, I'm not a... Uh, complacent person when it comes to digging 
and understanding what is it then if it, it's not this it's not that now i'm convinced it's not that you know i'm also super stubborn so you know most people have to maybe hurt themselves once i have to hurt myself 10 times and then i'm like oh okay it's not it um so now i'm like all right well it's not it what the hell is it um and you know as fate would uh have it you know i started following this woman on uh instagram and she is a russian based uh in russia speaking russian psychologist that is really super uh cool on many levels first i was shocked uh just from my ignorance and being out of you know i still have this impression of you know uh, russia people in russia is like ex-soviet people so i'm like yeah whatever you know they're all mm-hmm. uh you know they don't they can't understand and the here it is this young woman in her mid-30s talking like speaking the language that i speak that we speak Right. And my only frustration is like, ah, Tion can't understand, so I have to like translate. <laughs> right, right. And she's super cool. Um, and, you know, I've listened to enough of it to where I'm like, it make what she's saying and what she's pointing to and how, um, you know, the way that we connect with our mom and what happens to us in childhood uh predetermine a lot of our fears, set a lot of our fears, and set a lot of reactions, and then we bring them into our life. Right. Uh, and I basically reached out to her, and I'm like, hey, I've been wanting to do therapy because I feel at this point I need help figuring my stuff out and getting over, like getting through this hump that feels now like a very physical barrier that... I have not been able to get through successfully or over successfully on my own. So I'm like, I need help. But I have been hesitant to talk to um, anyone here, Uh, you know, just because I'm like, yeah, I don't know that I can find a person. And then uh, talking or listening to this uh, Russian woman, I'm like, let me see, you know, it feels like she knows a lot about uh, how I grew up, and so I reached out, and we had a like a um, video consultation, and it was really amazing. It right. was really like I walked away with a. I uh, was scared that my Russian wasn't going to be sufficient. It was pretty funny. I did end up speaking exclusively in Russian for the whole hour. There were words and 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 phrases and feelings that I could not find uh, how to describe in Russian so I had to go around and maybe use 10 words instead of one but you know we figured it out and then also it hit me that when I speak Russian about these things that I had never spoken in Russian about right. it hits me differently it now is like that is actually the full reality yeah it is my life I am figuring it out it is complicated and those things are really sensitive like where she's able to get to is really super sensitive so now you know like tian said we'll talk we'll maybe do a whole episode but uh it's looking like i'm gonna do like a full-on three or four hour session where she'll guide me through a lot of places in my childhood uh and we'll see what comes out i i think that you know it's uh going to be a very useful process of 
helping me get from the closed state that I have lived and created uh, and navigated really successfully in for years and years and years and decades. Right. And uh, into this other space that I really want to be in and haven't been able to successfully fully transfer into. Like, I want to be very open and touchy and, uh, you know, just like inclusive and uh, welcoming of people from, you know, the outside world. Even my friends that I've been friends with for years, you know, I want to switch from mostly mental, intellectual to more of a vibe, uh, physical touch, uh, non-sexual, just being connected in different ways. Right. Um, and I think, you know, like just the possibility of living how I want to live. You know, one thing she said at the end, she's like, so you just basically want to feel yourself. And I'm like, yes, that. Right. You know, and it's really sad that I have to work really, really hard to find that feeling again. And I don't even like I have to go back into my deep childhood to be like, when are the time, like, where were the times when I fully felt like myself? You be yourself, right? You know, 100%, uh, which makes me wonder, all of you guys, like, wh do you feel like you're fully yourself? Right. Like, how does that, what does that feel like? Right. And what are the, you know, what are the barriers of, what do you, you know, are you conscious of the barriers that are in between you and the person that you want to be? Maybe you're mostly yourself, but there's parts that you can't be. Yeah. Uh, maybe you're less of yourself and you know there's more you want to be. Or maybe you remember, like, I used to be, and then X, Y, and Z happened. Um, what are we doing each day to gain that space to be ourselves? It's really hard to live the life that we want to lead and get the results that we want when we're not communicating to the universe and other people who we actually are. Yeah. So this is episode 37. This is halftime. Enjoy the tune. We'll come back and we'll get into love languages. Tiambu Kuwan. And Yula. The Black Russian Podcast. Badoo. Na na na. Na na na. Them are them rebel music now. Give them some rebel music now. Well, it's a rebel music, don't you confuse it with that crap that the bugger them producing. This a rebel music, don't you confuse it. Me at the baddest lyricist, so watch me prove it, yo. Me used to burn the weed a lot, now me start to read a lot. Out loud about how the system want to keep us. Locked up in the prison mentally, them want to defeat us. In the streets where my feet touch, cause the school them never teach us. Nothing but we African features. Now them want to turn we in a clappies and divas. Officers, preachers, doctors and lawyers and liars. The royal alliance I keep up. From I was a fetus, from Jesus to Negus. Used to rock a river, no me locks a creep up. Babylon, my boss up all your neck up. But grab the microphone and tell the pretty black woman them not for bleach up. No youth, my teeth bout them knowledge when my read bout. Not for them to vex at the college when my leave out. My bond the week out, I can make the youths a seek out. I have a dream and it's not bound to be chose. Kabaka pyramid, it is my name. The game, it will never be the same. Rebel music, I bring the change. So free to get a youth from the change. Kabaka pyramid, it is my name. The game, it will never be the same. Rebel music, I bring the change. So free to get a youth from the change. The youth, them not got no way out. So we have to plot the layout, got a lot to say out. 
And no nothing for your boss, no shot and rail out. Babylon, my wife will chop your brains out. But my Welcome back, welcome back to the Black Russian Podcast, episode 37. Need not say our names, you know who we are. <laughs> this half is called Love Languages. Out of the most popular little thing going on right now is learning each other's love languages. There are five love languages, and we'll go through them and break them down for you and then share about ours. So, the five love languages are time spent, being of service, physical touch, gifts and words of affirmation so let's do number one what let's is let's talk about what are love languages in general and why Smart is move. there more than one mm, there she oh, bam okay so a love so, language is how we give and how we receive love how we show it how do we express love right when we are in love what is it that we do to show that we love someone. Right. And then there is a flip side to it. Right. How do we expect when we are in a loving relationship, how do we know that that person loves us? Right. What are the metrics we use to determine if the person loves us? Right. Again, like a simple thing, love, not so simple. Right. Each person has definitions many definitions i think each person has many definitions of what love is um and so it's good to you know go deeper with that when someone says i love you ask them you know what exactly does that yeah, mean yeah this is like these five languages i'm sure there are more yeah but these are to help us actually pause and think right. oh okay what are they what do i give and how do i receive right and then we'll talk about you know how do we sync up in the relationship to make sure we're speaking the same language. Right. And it, it helps us become self-aware so we understand there's a lot of different reasons why people naturally get along and they call it chemistry or sometimes people naturally butt heads even though they really feel they like each other. Um, so we'll go into the first one, time spent. What is time spent? If you love me, you will be uh, more motivated to spend time with me. If I love you, I will be more motivated to spend time with me. Right. So quality time spent, like actually yeah. physical time space, or I guess now in the digital era it can be time spent as far as time spent talking, engaging, connecting, yep. interacting. Um, then being of service, which is one of my favorites, is uh, being of service, finding ways to help the other person do whatever it is they like to do. Um, just being there for them, like being there to serve them. For example... Um, you know, a way to show love if you're a, a being of service, act of service type person is offering to help them clean their house or being willing to be there to help them move or, or being there for them when they need help doing even menial things like running errands or, you know, uh, organizing or making a plan for their business or executing a plan for their business. Just really cool ways to be of service. Um, that's what being of service or act of service are. Third one is physical touch. And that's the most assumed one that, oh, if we're in love, we're going to be touching physically. All the time. All the time. <laughs> and that's the only way I know that, they, that you love me is if we're, you're touching me. Right. So physical touch is self-explanatory. Actual physical body touching. Yep. 
you know, together touching, like not through the wire, but actually touching. Uh, number four is gifts, you know, bringing them flowers, buying them a teddy bear or a diamond ring. <laughs> Sending stuff in the mail. Sending gifts in the mail, you know, physical gifts, yeah. like actual tangible gifts. And then number five is words of affirmation. I love you. You are the best. You are my only one. I will love you forever and ever and ever. Right. There's nobody I like more than you. Right. Have I ever told you I really appreciate your thighs? You are amazing. I love your perfect imperfections. Um, you're your so teeth are so crooked. They yeah. make me shiver. I love your toes. Your mind is like, oh, my God, it's an endless book. A, a poem that's never fully been written. That An art piece that's never been completed. Your, your, your vibe is like Bob Marley meets John Coltrane and Sade on a rainy <laughs> Sunday afternoon. You know, words, you know, these things. Now, those are the core five. Of course, there's different variations of them. But... What I like, we were talking about this on the way to LA, and you know, we're with our son, we had a great conversation with our son who's 17 about these different things. Um, and we found ourselves naturally judging which ones are more important or, or more priority or less, less superficial. And the reality is, all of these are equal as far as that. None should be, oh, well, that's stupid, or this is great, or that's dumb. Like, it's what they are, they're all valuable and they all, they're all meaningful. Um, someone who really loves gifts more than time spent doesn't mean they don't understand love it means that's how they like that's how this, that's a symbol of how people show love to them so those are those now what are your five giving love languages how would you put these in order the way i take notes y'all all right ay 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 okay time spent being of service, number two. Gifts, number three. Don't touch me, she says. Words of affirmation, number four, and physical touch is number five. <laughs> As she's just talking about how she wants to learn how to right. touch more. We'll ask her in like a year or two. You know, and, they, and it's funny because things can shift based upon where we are and how we grow. Yeah, these are my comfortable ones. Like, right. that's the order of how I give love. So, if I spend time with you, you can pretty much assume that, you know, there are serious feelings going on there. Right. So, how do you like to receive? I like to be... Time spent is still number one. Physical touch now is number two. Words of affirmation, number three. Being of service, number four. Or mm, equal with physical touch. Physical touch and being of service are three, uh, four and five. Four and five, okay. Why do you think it's different between how you like to receive it and how you give it? I love giving gifts. Right. I don't, it doesn't matter to me if I receive them. It right. really is like, it's like people don't understand I love going down on you. And right. I really am like, very rarely I'm like, uh, this right. is what I feel like and you go down <laughs> on me. And it's like it's it's a shocker right. to people, but that's just how it is. I love giving gifts and I right. think it's for like it's how it makes me feel. You right. know, we do things because they make us feel good. Right. 
and I look forward to it and I think about it and I you still have a gift for me that you haven't opened, but right. I'm like sitting there going, oh, when is he going to open it? Maybe a year from now, but all right. Uh, but then me in terms of, hey, Tion, you haven't given me a gift in about 10 years. Right. I'm like, it doesn't matter to me. It's, right. not, it's not the thing. So that's why they're, they're different. Time spent is always number one. Right. Both ways, because time is... Time is super rare. Super, you know, it's it's a very it's the most uh, valuable commodity that I have to you know I have to give, and I know how people are you know value their time. Right. So I will make time as a priority to someone that I really want to feel. Right. And, and it takes a lot way. of effort for you to come up with that. Time oh, for sure. Job, kids, family, marriage. Yep. Things like that. So, uh, so that's you know being of service um, is almost equal to gi- giving gifts. Right. To me, being of service to someone is utilizing all of my abilities and capacity. Mm-hmm. to help someone be the best that they can be. That's how you and I connected. It wasn't right. like, I want to spend my time having sex with Tion. Right. It's, I want to spend my resources, both you know, mental, intellectual, physical, financial, to help this person be the best that they can be. That's like the ultimate uh, declaration of love. Right. You know? And I'm going to find time. <laughs> right. You know? Uh, but uh, being of service, uh, receiving being of service, I think that's like that's a weak area in my life, to where I feel like I got my life just fine. Right. I don't need gifts. I don't need people doing anything for me, and that's I think part of my transition is to actually appreciate right. when uh, someone thinks things through and you know I have a couple of people that will think about it and just like here I know you will not go out of your way and go get this for yourself and I know you would really appreciate it so here it is in the mail from Amazon to you you know and it's almost like it's not a gift it's an act of service because they thought it through they know my life right they know where my weak spots are in my life and they do something that will make it easier for me and more enjoyable right but i'm getting there it just <laughs> slowly climbing up the ladder right right okay and so that's the differences <clears throat> um do you think the way that your love languages are now um are very similar to the way they used to be have they changed in the last 10 no. years I, I, they have changed time i mean physical touch was number one in giving and receiving because right. physical touch has always been reserved for uh sexual connection mm-hmm. which to me was the ultimate representation of love that was always on the top you know right. at the uh, at the top both giving and receiving it's like Nobody else touch me unless we are engaged in a sexual relationship and I do not engage in sexual relationships unless I actually have feelings. Mm-hmm. 
So that was always number one. And I had to learn, you know, through you that, you know, we can be not physically touching and we're still sharing love. Right. And that was a very difficult, difficult lesson for me because to me, like, it's the most direct, the most reassuring, the most... Right. The easiest. One of the ways, one of the most ego safe, ego yeah. away. Um, yeah. It's so interesting in my conversation with a Russian psychologist, she said that it's possible that, you know, I described to her how in the past I used sex to feel the most myself right. the most relaxed the most connected the most connected to the person and she said that it's possible that if i go through you know the journey of learning going back and re and rewiring my wires that right. were you know crossed through whatever it was that you know i chose to um, create in my head you know, through my life, through like mostly early life, right. that I will realize that I don't need the sexual connection to be, to feel connected to myself and to feel connected to other people. Right. So it's basically saying the same thing that, right. you know, physical touch is going down in the order of necessity, necessity right. and but yet still feeling connected both to yourself and the other person and sharing love. Right. And, you know, the f a funny, just the pondering with all this is, <clears throat> I wonder how different they would be if we talked about necessity, like what we need yeah. to feel loved, and desire. Because we talk about need and desire are very different things, right? Need um, gives us, will, will oftentimes move us towards security, stability, reliability, for, for, you know, just feel secure. Right. But desire is very different on the other side. Spontaneity, different, change, variety. So, you know, have fun with that, guys. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so mine, my giving is being of service, one. Physical touch, two. Uh, being of service, physical touch. Yeah. Words of affirmation, time spent, and gifts? No. Oh, my God. Well, hold on. Jesus. And this, this is why I'm thinking this, right? I know it's goofy. It's probably going to be, you ask me a different day, it'll be differently. Um, is the reason why I say being of service first, physical touch two, words of affirmation first, time spent four, and gifts five, is because my time, I don't have as much time as I used to have. So I don't, I can't give a lot of time. And here's why. Can I argue a little bit? Well, yes. Once I finish articulating my... <laughs> so, due to the fact that I can't spend a lot of time, and I, when I care about somebody, I try to find ways to be of service to them, which usually ends up being through the form of conversation and the form of preparation and stuff like that. Um, physical touch for when the times that I'm with the person, I want to make sure that I show them that I care via touch because I'm not there that often. So I really want to... You know, I can talk to them when I'm not there. So when I'm with them, I want to make sure that I'm utilizing the language that I can't use when I'm not there. Uh, <clears throat> words of affirmation, because I have much of my time with most of my um, friends and all these things are through, through text, through email, through that. So being good with words and being able to 
but use words to, sh to build connections is important to me. Um, and it's what I, it's the tool I have the most of. Um, time spent is fourth because I don't have that as much. And if I prioritize that, it's really high and I can't give that, it makes me feel like it's really low, like I don't care. And then gifts is the last thing. So that's what I say is giving. Okay. Okay, do you wanna add, do you wanna? <laughs> well, I, I just wanted to talk about time spent because right. uh, just like with me, I mean, from what I'm seeing, right. you know, you will make more time for someone when the value is high. Yeah. That is a very strong love language with you. And now, like you said, it's not just physical time, but it's how much time you spend, you know, talking on the phone, right. uh, engaged in the well, then, text yes, conversation. Well, then, yes, if we're using time spent as the, the modern, yeah, but the it's modern both. one, then I would flip it. Yeah. I, I'd say both. You know, there are, you know, there's situations, obviously, that, you know, someone's like long distance, but it's still, you will still consider if the value is high you will still consider actually making the physical time happen right versus I mean, like when reaching it's out not to them staying right. communication yeah. okay well if we're talking about time spent as in not just physical face-to-face -face time then i would say being of service time spent physical touch words of affirmation and gifts yeah. Which moves it because, you know, the time, and if you think of time and energy spent thinking about somebody, caring about somebody, being a, yeah, and being a good person It makes it them. really easy if you think of it in the, in the framework of just yours and my relationship. Right. Because in our relationship, time spent is by far the most important thing. Right. Is how much time we are time, space, and energy. committing to spending together. Right. And, and that's together when we're, even when we're not together. Right, and and a lot of it is physical as well. Right, you know, even when you travel, you know, when you're home, you're home. Right, you know, so like just in our in the in the framework of just our relationship. Right, time spent is the most. Right, and so this goes into this is also it's a really cool thing that just came up, is <clears throat> my love languages for my core relationship foundation yep. is different than. Yep. Mine with, you know, the c deep connections I have outside of our marriage, right. yep. um, because of you know, the majority of my time, space, and energy is spent building our is our foundation. It's interesting. I just explained to someone who couldn't hang in my life, that, um, you know, who was questioning the lack of physical, right? You know, like getting together. I'm like, what you know, what you gotta understand is that. 90% of my, like in under any circum, like under all circumstances, right. including like sex, right. right? If it's a sexual relationship. Right. And that's outside of my marriage. Right. Right. My marriage takes up so much of our time by our design, by right. my design. It's right. not that, you know, it's demanding. Right. But it's my choice. Right. That between everything else, the work, the family, and the, the, my relationship with Tion, right. the rest of the relationships that I have is 90 or 90 to 95 percent online. Right. Digital. Right. Digital, right? And then 5 to 10 percent face to face. Right. So if that does not, if that doesn't work, it just doesn't, doesn't align work. With you, then it does, right. You it's know. like, you know, I mean, that, that conversation was really cool because. That is like my probably a solid intro into any new relationship. Right. 
Just so you know. So you know, because of how my life is, and it's no indication of how much I love you or don't love right. you, this is the actual layout. Right. If that does not work for you, if you as a person require a lot and expect a lot more physical time, right. then we... You we're know, not we're gonna not going to hang it. Right. We're not going to think up. So that we'll talk about that once I get through my uh, receiving because that talks about when love languages don't match up. Um, so that's my that's my giving. So receiving, I like. Um, let's see, think about this again. Okay, so what I like first is, I guess time spent would still be first. Um, being of service would be number two because I'm a big fan of buddyisms yep. and adventures. Um, physical touch would be three. I'm a very affectionate dude. Um, and then gifts and then words of affirmation, <laughs> which is all funny. I think I wrote it that way in my notes. <laughs> um, so I don't really, yeah, I'm not, I don't need a lot of words of affirmation. Um, I appreciate gifts. They're really cool. Um, but that explains of, why you still have Being of service is the best gift. Yeah. You know, someone who's like ride or die, who's down to like, oh, you need to go help roll out this wall? Oh, you want to go run errands? Like, to me, it's those little things that show somebody really cares about you because oh, yeah. otherwise someone's only in it for one thing and you're like, oh, well, shit, let's go run some errands today. And they're like, fuck that. I'm trying to have sex right the second. You're like, oh, well, and, you know, it's, just, it's, not, it's not, I'm a warm and fuzzy first. So, you know, those are mine. And I think... Most of mine have been the same for most of my life, other than once I, once we built our foundation, that core way of doing it is reserved to, for yeah. us. And then whatever's left, like the parts that are left as I generate that, but one thing I don't have a lot of is physical face time. I have peace of mind time, I have energy time, and that's how, if you're really close to me, um, you, you, you know that I care because I show you in many ways, whichever ways I have available. If you're across the globe, then it's available through little messages here, text here, maybe pictures here, maybe um, that. You know, if you're even local, it's just text and game. Maybe we're playing words with friends. Maybe we're, you know, coming. But you can feel there's a, a, there's an intention to connect, a desire to um, consistency, punctuality. Even if we say we're gonna meet once, you know, whenever we say we're gonna meet, we're communicating to actually meet. If it changes, I communicate that. And these are ways to show you care. It's like actually valuing someone's time. Okay. So that's a whole another set of, you know, metrics that someone's carrying, respectful of time and space and energy, which is all these different things. But so now this is what you, what you were just talking about is what happens when the love languages don't match. And I've come across this once I looked at this love languages thing. First thing I thought was like, oh, shit, there have been several times where <laughs> um, I would be showing someone I care through acts of service and that's a big one for me and what's big for them is physical touch or gifts and I'd be like I'd be like yeah but you never you never get me anything You're like I can't even see you that much I'm like dude like I'm always like remember when you needed that project done or you're brainstorming for your like you know your entrepreneurship or you needed this you know like I, what and they're like yeah but remember that time when I went and totally Volunteered, volunteered and cleaned someone's windows in her house, yeah, entire house. Right. And it was like, you didn't do a good job. I'm like, fuck you. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> well, it's just, you know, and it's all, I didn't realize and they didn't realize that 
we have completely different languages of what we are trying to convey. Like I'm trying yeah. to convey that I care about you by showing my acts of service. Yeah. And you're receiving, but it's like acts of service is low for you. You're like, dude, I want physical touch and gifts. Right. And if we were able to articulate that in the beginning, then she would have been able to help me understand if I'm trying to show her I love her, this is how she'd like it if, I, if she has a choice. Right. And we can share each other's and it's not to change, like no one has to change theirs to please me. But acknowledging that we understand, it helps us understand our languages. And that, that to me is a microcosm of all this relationship stuff. Is if I can explain to you how I like to receive things and how I give things and what that means, and you can do the same, then at least we're getting into this exercise of, oh, love and attraction and desire is not enough. That will not give us all the information we need to care about this person in the way that we want to. We need actual information, too. And we need the other person to be able to help provide that information because I can only interpret what your actions are saying. And then, you know, the important part is to not dismiss the other person's order of operation. Right. Because I would typically just dismiss it like, whatever, you know. Right. This is how, this is the most important thing. Right. You know, that, that's, that's like vintage Euler classic. No, no, no. Let me let me show you what really matters. Right. When all the person wants is like a little flower. Right. And just fucking tell me yeah, you love me. Yeah, I love you. Tell me I'm cute. Uh, and that's, you know, uh, I think that a lot of us are guilty of that. Right. Because if we are so certain that this is how love is expressed, right. then of course, you know, it's expressed that way. Right. Because it's love. Right. And so this goes right into this part. So these are our core love languages of giving and receiving, right? We, 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 so now, our love languages, they're probably very different when it's a passionate love and a companionate love. It's like, for example, when you're, when you're first getting with somebody, there's a high level of passion, like this, this new, this NRE, there's this new discoveries, there's all this amazing, like, <gasps> and just very passionate, maybe it's much more sexual and sensual and all this stuff, all this high level energy stuff, right? So your senses are peaked, like really high. So you're, it's the value of it go, is dramatic. Like you're probably going out of your way to do things you would normally do at the frequency you probably couldn't normally do it based upon your schedule. But you're right. finding ways to do it because you're building this thing. So your, your acts of service of love languages, both giving and receiving, are probably very different. Um, and then 15 years into the marriage, <laughs> you know, where it becomes more companionate, where it's, it's not as high, it's not super high, like <laughs> it's calm and steady and secure. So when it's calm and staying secure, it's much more of a companionate love. So your act, you know, your your metric of love languages would change because perhaps the intensity and the the sense of urgency is very different. And I think that's where people fall asleep and take each other for granted because they may not realize that the relationship shifted from a primarily passionate, which is in the beginning, which is always the arc, into a long-term companionate one. And we long for the passion, but we think at that time we have to exchange um, passion for companionate when we get into marriage. Um, but it'd be very interesting to see if the love languages are different, like we're in the beginning versus, you know, 5, 10, 15 years into that. Um, 
It'd be very fascinating to see. But there's a little bit about the love languages. Do you want anything you want to add to that? Just that part? Compassionate versus passionate or the love languages? Well, no, the only thing that's coming to mind is, uh, you know, that that's that a lot of it is what Esther Perel talks about. Yeah. Um, you know, how in marriage, you know, there's this dichotomy of we want desire and passion. Like, we, we thrive on desire and passion, and we all want security and stability, stability. and they are mutually exclusive, right? As soon as you... Um, as soon as you lock someone down, now you have stability right. uh, and companionship, but now passion and desire are gone, so you're bored. You're right. safe, but you're bored. So the whole basic dichotomy of a long-term monogamous marriage is how do we both feel secure and stable and do not lose this desire and passion. Right. And, you know, that's her specialty. That's what she talks about. Uh, it's highly frustrating that uh, the solutions are they all in... Solutions right, are all right. in how to ignite passion internally. Um, I think that it's extremely difficult probably possible in some uh, situations, right. the majority of situations it's not. Uh, so that's frustrating. But I think that she's super right on the whole dichotomy of what happens right. and why. So yes, the love language of passion and desire is very different from the love language of stable and companion, companion uh, oriented marriage. Yeah, and so and this is our you know my, it's crazy. Our son gave us these terms. It was breaking it down, and I was like, wow, I never heard it that way. But it's like everything has that arc. Like you think of, you know, when you first watch, I don't know. Let's say when you first watch LeBron James. It's like, what? Oh, my God. It's, like, insane. But imagine if you saw LeBron James every single day because now he's your best friend or he's your father. All of a sudden, you're not as blown. Like, oh, my God. You're like, oh, yeah, that's what he does. It yeah. just changes. Like, you know, when you're around, <clears throat> you know, if, you're, if your father is Carlos Santana, you're amazed by him, but he's your father. You see him every day. You know what he does. You know how he does it. You're more amazed when you see other people seeing him. Because you're like, because oh, you see their excitement, but you just get used to it. It's like if you're if you're raised by a magician, his his tricks aren't magic anymore to you. If it's you like get routine. bananas once a year in a right. very limited capacity, your passion for bananas is extremely high. Right. And then right. when you get them every day, you still love them. Right. It's just not. But like... But you're not like yeah. shaking and counting how many you have and. Uh, you know, and that's it, it's the same with everything yeah, else. Yeah, it's just that arc is natural. Um, and so with, with relationships, it's like Esther says, it's like, you know, we yearn for, like, we think that we want a good marriage is stability, reliability, consistency, because you do want, if you make a plan to pick up the kids, they're going to pick up the kids, and things are going to be taken care of. So you want stability, consistently, consistency, trust, trust, reliability, which is routine. These are routine things. Yeah. Um, those are the antithesis of what breed desire and passion, which is spontaneity, uh, variety, um, you know, new, new, um, different in these things. So being able to have the passionate and the companionate in a marriage where it's very restrictive 
and you only can get it from each other, it's very difficult because you see each other every single day. Yeah, there is, it's very know? hard to find new in the same person. Right. Regardless of, like, you can find, you know, you can go out and be in a new environment, right? Uh, but it's still the same person. Like, you know, right. I, in our life, we have, you know, I get to see new in you when you're on stage. Right. Like every time you're on stage and I watch you and it's because I see other people reacting to you and right. I see you like directly entertaining other people. Right. Same way when we are both having sex with someone. Right. I see you in a new way. It's different from when just you and I have sex. Right. It's new because now I'm seeing it as you are giving pleasure and connecting with somebody else right like it's very different yeah, it's a new it's a different it's the same as like you're entertaining people right and the thing is like it, the, i think the overall thing let's say you're in a monogamous relationship marriage for a long time you're trying to create more passion um the underlying is definitely new like you know new pull so, up, new positions new places um, new personalities, they talk about, you know, creating role-playing, mm -hmm. and new toys, new places, new things like that. Those are very powerful ways to interject new stuff because routine is what kills passion. Now, the difference is when you have an open space, um, there's a level of vulnerability that wakes your senses up watching your partner and knowing your partner is being loved, being seen, being validated. Can we talk about me painting with somebody else? Yes. <laughs> like that was a super highly sexual experience without right. any inclination of right. any It's any just a heightened level of new. Yeah, it's like deep. I've spent 15, 16 years painting with Tion, right. right? Like he's my mentor. He has taught me from the very early steps all the way through to where, you know, I can do a lot and I love it and right. I enjoy it and he enjoys it and he's very proud of me. Right. And then... And I can paint alongside with his friends. Right. And it's still, I'm painting with him. Right. But then I had an opportunity to paint just with his friend, and his friend was telling me what to do. Right. And Tion was not painting, and he was just watching. Right. And it was literally a super sexual experience. Right. I told Tion afterwards, I'm like, that felt like me having sex with another man. Right. Like painting with somebody who is telling me, like directing me how you would normally direct right. me. Like how they want it. Yeah, how they, how like they it. want it. Like, you know, all that. And I go and check in with them. I'm like, hey, do you want this? Do you want that? Right. Like it literally is like having sex with another person and seems like yeah that was you know watching you that how was it watching right. me it's a it's a similar thing it's, it's you know when you watch your watch your partner um have an intimate experience with another man i mean that's what it is it's an intimate experience yeah. like painting is very intimate um someone allowing you and inviting you to fill in their letters or do any parts of the mural is very intimate and it takes a balance of dominance and submissiveness yeah. um, which most relationships is usually just reserved for the people in the relationship right. give or take other things um, but yeah I mean that's what it is it's like being able to and having them be pleased by her work by her skill by her training by her um, vibe and it creates a different level of heightened sense of life because you're vulnerable that's what they say like you know 
When people have open relationships, one of the first things that happens after being married for a long time is their relationship at home becomes more exciting. For sure. Their sex at home, most of the time it becomes more exciting because they're both more attracted to each other, seeing that other people are attracted to right. them. So they're seeing them in a different light. They're seeing them through the eyes of this new guy who's dating your wife. Or they're seeing him through the new the guys the eyes of the new girl who's dating your husband. Because we're used to seeing each other every day and it's like, yeah, I know she's special, but like I see her every day. And all of a sudden you see and you hear about this new guy who's really excited about the things that your wife does that you see every day and you like i mean that's why you're with her but it's the norm it's like you've seen the magic trick a thousand times it's like you appreciate <laughs> it but you're just not blown away by it you know and i have the same thing it's like when i go when i was super into skateboarding i could go to the skate park with my friends and skate every day or whatever and they would see all they knew all my tricks it's like oh dope it's totally different than when you show up at another skate park no one knows anything about you and you bust these tricks out there just like what what planet are you from and that's a huge good feeling right or when you go painting and you paint in a different city or different country and you have a whole different style and technique the level of appreciation for that is naturally way higher than if you're painting with your friends who've seen you who've painted with you for 20 years like they're just like oh yeah that's dope that's my little boy do right so we need that level of new and new within your relationship can be stoked, but there is a different level of deep, sensitive, awakening new that comes from this other space. Um, so it's all in the love languages and understanding what we're trying to convey and receive and how we do. The, it, all this ties in just in the sense of um, being able to go deep within yourself, which allows you to articulate that to another person which allows you to collectively to go deep. You can only go as deep as the two of you both go within yourselves to bring out to the table. Um, and I think we'll wrap it up there, but what we're gonna talk about, you got another 15 minutes, you wanna get it? Cause there's the two levels of relationship life, which yeah. kind of talks about companion and passion. Let's do that. Yeah. So there's two levels of relationship um, that's that, we, that we see, let's say long-term relationships. You have, the everyday things, the surface, like who grows and picks up the groceries, you know, what we do when we get home, how we prepare the dinner, how we deal with basic conflicts or not have conflicts, you know, the really surface level. And then there is the deeper level, which is the deep connected, you know, like you guys can be connected through habit. Like, you know, we go do these things together on Thanksgiving. We go see our family together. We both, you know, we, every, every once a month or Sunday, we go to the farmer's market together. And we do these things. We watch Netflix together. We sit at home and do dinner together. Um, and then there's a deep connected, like, and this ties all back into, are we showing, are we creating spaces to show each other who we really are? Well, I think, you know, the deep connected is why are we together? Right. You know, and it came, it kind of came about, you know, watching, observing people, right. observing couples, observing couples that get frustrated with the everyday routine. Um, or on the flip side, that are very good at maintaining everyday life and routine. And then uh, understanding how, you know, the everyday routine, we all have it. If right. we are, we're, if we're in the long term relationship 
regardless of the style, open, closed, monogamous, non-monogamous, whatever, Tion and I have a routine. Right. Like, we have a daily mundane life that is pretty boring. Right. You know, we've been together for 16 years. We've, we, you know, like, we have that life. And when, you know, like, I ob observe people that come to us and they're frustrated with the daily shit. Right. You know, I thought he would do this. He doesn't do it. Why do I have to tell him all the time? Why do I, and I, it resonates in me. I'm like, I get it. I feel the same way. Right. I'm like, why do I have to ask you? I, but then some people go off the charts with that right. and it breaks their relationship. And some people are able, like I go, okay, well, does that really matter? Right. You know, and I'm able to go into, okay, this is like our relationship is not about the daily routine. Right. Like we have this huge, deep, uh, underlying uh, relationship, right. right? That we have consciously built because there is a goal that we have in being together. Right. And we have never lost sight of it. There's a reason why we're together. Right. Uh, every time that we go through something very difficult, that pulls us back together. Right. Deeper and, that's and closer. Deeper and closer. And that's what helps us navigate the daily frustrations. I'm sure there are way many times when Tion's like, ah, right. I, you know, I wish she would stop doing this or, you know. Right. And I feel the same way, but it's fine. It's just, you know, it's that one first level of our relationship, and that's normal just like everybody else. Right. But then that whole big, huge, this is why, this is what we feel every night when we get in bed together. Right. Like we reconnect, we go, this is what we are doing and why, right? And then the importance of having that and refreshing that right. and having it at the forefront. Right. And nurturing and that. And nurturing and that. Homage, that's right. the 90% of the marriage. Right. The rest is like who buys groceries and who right. does the dishes and who folds laundry is like, it's you know, whatever. So then, you know, it's it's interesting, you know, we you can see how some couples are so damn good at maintaining the daily routine. Right. They don't argue. They have their they're pretty equal in their who does what. Right. right? They're so compatible in how they live every single day. Right. There is no rise, there is no fallout, there is right. no frustration, there is no like yelling, no, no yelling, no screaming. It's very comfortable. Right. But then you go underneath and it's either forgotten right. as to what the original goal was right. or it has expired. Right. Or it and just never wasn't or, even right. there to begin with or it just died because it was not fed. Right. It's like there's so yeah. many. Uh, but yet we look at the relationship like most of us see other couples not on the second level right but on the first because they're like oh look you come to their house and they're so calm right. and they're so neat and organized, so neat and, organized and so comfortable and you go out with them they never argue and they're like you know they're like a machine like clockwork and right. stuff and we now have a privilege of through just being so deeply close to people that they start revealing right um you know the deeper level to us that we start seeing how the first and second levels a lot of the times do not match up. Right. And 
you know, the way to heal a marriage is not through healing the first layer. Right. It's heal the root. But, but figuring out the main connection and the goal of why you have come together right. or have you even created your vows? Have you come, right. have you consciously decided that this is what you're doing? Right. And I feel that if you have that conscious understanding and, and connection feeling as to why you guys are together, then you will work out all the other noise. Sometimes it's more annoying, other times it's less annoying, right. but you'll be able to work that I'll out. side of it. Yeah, and the, so that the deeper root connection is the core nourishment that fuels and that connects and it gives you cachet to where when little things come up, you're able to let them go or you can address them because you're nourishing the deep. You always can remember why we're doing this, why we're here, why we, and you, um, you're bringing so much love and light over and over into it. You're not letting it starve or run on reserves. Right, and even like the love language right now that we're talking about it, you can bring the love language to your first level. Right. It's like, hey, let me clean the house, so let me do that. Right. That's great, it's, it's fine, but is that, like, are you also bringing the love language to the second layer? Right. Let How me spend the How time. Really Let you? me spend yeah. the time. When we're spending the time, are we sitting on opposite sides of the couch watching Netflix and you're on the phone and you're on the phone? Right. Or are we cuddling and touching and right. actually asking each other how you're feeling and what have you done and right. you know what's what's going on in your world not so that i can control it but so that i can right. i, I can understand what's it. really going on like actually what's really going on not like well i went on a date or i saw this dude or my work was funny but like what's really going on i'm feeling more insecure this week i'm feeling a little frustrated because of this i'm feeling hurt you know like real shit and a lot of times People avoid real shit yeah. because it disrupts the surface flow. Right, or you just don't care to hear it. And, right. you know, that's another indication like, ooh, something's not working. If I tell Tion, hey, I started taking birth control. Last right. night was my first pill, and here's how I feel, to feel today. Right. Like, technically, he could care less. Right. Like, it's not his body, right? right? But he's like, ooh, wow, that's interesting. Yeah. Let's see how it goes tomorrow. Yeah, tuning, you know, like, tuning in like to the each whole. Other. The whole yeah. tuning in and caring and, uh, you know, let's remember that it's really easy to get lost in that first yeah, and level. Yeah, and, and, and the object referral surface metrics. And this it ties all into this episode is, you know, our society judges success and failure by perception. So, like... Oh, how's he doing? Oh, like when they go, how's your son doing? Oh, he's doing great. He's at this college. <gasps> oh, that's so cool. It doesn't say the kid's struggling. He has anxiety. He's suicidal. None of that. It just says he's in college. And we assume that's great. Oh, how's so-and-so? Oh, man, she's in San Francisco. She's got a six-figure income. She works at this company. It's great. It doesn't say she hates her job or if she does or does not. It doesn't say if she's happy with what she does, doesn't say anything about her mental state or emotional state or spiritual state. But that's enough for us, you know? And that's our, the way we, so we base our um, relationship health on, do we fight a lot? Do we yell a lot? Right. And so a lot of times we don't go deeper and that ties into the root work that we must do for ourselves to be able to have a nourishing deep relationship. It's hard for us to do that 
have a deep relationship where we actually are, are open to hear the person's truth and be able to speak our truth if we haven't identified it and we're very uncomfortable with our own. I think, you know how, like, um, I never considered the importance of renewing the vows. Right. Uh, I think that, you know, people do that. And then majority of people are like, yeah, whatever, that's stupid, you right. know? But it's definitely not stupid. Right. Like, it's definitely a way, if it's done right, it's definitely a way of reminding ourselves, why are we even together? Why am I with this person? Is it because it's convenient? And right. maybe it's cool, like, but that's your, uh, you know, that's your understanding of it. Right. That's that. Then that's the extent of my relationship with right. this, you know, with this person. Then you know, I'm lacking this, this, and that. And what am I gonna do about it? Right. And are we are we in the relationships where we've created a space to say, let's renew our vows and actually talk about shit right. that worked and shit that doesn't work for you anymore? Um, how are are we comfortable enough to deal with um, talking about things that may be controversial or conflict? You know, like we're like you were saying. You know, open relationships up is hard. And if you're if you're not quite sure, think to yourself, you know, have you told your parents or friends? Ooh, why haven't you? Because it's difficult and there's things like that. So there's a lot to it all. Love languages is for real, for real, for real. Um, we will wrap this episode up, episode 37. I would like to say I am grateful for being able to do this podcast on Martin Luther King Day. And it does... You know, holidays become very cliche and marketing campaign and glazy. Um, so some people can just post a meme and keep it moving. Um, some people can go to a, a march. Some people get really, really deeply engaged. Some people it renews their faith and remembrance of mentorship. Um, but at least we have a day to pause and the opportunity to think about it. And so I'm really appreciative um, to be able to do this podcast and be deeply reflective of all that is me and us and part of me being a black man growing up in the Bay, son of a Black Panther and all the crazy shit that's happening now and just remembering, you know, some of the things that Martin Luther King talked about, not just the surface, you know, turning the cheek stuff, but the deeper stuff we talked about, you know, capitalism was created on poor people on the, on the, on the backs of slaves and it's still being built on, the, on poor people, black, white and all around the world. Like the realism of hardship that no one wants to talk about. That so I just up, saw so. a news thing come through, and it says that 26 mo- richest billionaires in this world own as much wealth as 3.8 billion of the most poor people. Right. 26 versus 3.8. I think it's a little out of out of balance. Right. Yeah, just it's not all about out of prosperity, but you know, just an opportunity to really think back, reflect, pay homage to, you know all that he has done, attempted to do um, beyond just the, the, the catchphrases and the, and the, the, the whitewashed uh, sayings he has. Yeah. And in my gratefuls today had uh, being grateful for having a mixed family and, you know, mixed in cultures, mixed in, <coughs> mixed in colors, uh, watching our kids learn about uh, you know, different races and racism and their perception of growing up really without, you know, uh, seeing color. Like internally. Which, yeah. Right, internally, but now also seeing the dangers of what that means. Reality, yeah. You know, the reality of it, uh, seeing how 
they still need to understand that even though in our family there is no difference right. uh, because we treat each other the same, but the reality outside of the family is very different. Right. You know, and not letting them sit in that comfort of like, yeah, no, I mean, I could care less what color is my right. stepfather, you know, my right. sister is mixed, whatever. You know, like that's a very big one. Mm-hmm. Do not let a, let them get away with, well, I'm part not of a mixed family, right. so of course enough. it has nothing, nothing right. to do with me. And then watching our mixed one actually you know proactively feel that she is black right and and uh, taking that stance you know like all of that i'm really grateful for these experiences right yeah and i'm grateful for the sunshine after a lot of rain which you know we needed a lot of rain but it really after a lot of rain it really makes you appreciate a nice calm blue Mm -hmm. sky and some sunshine for real Mm -hmm. Um, I'm grateful for no one in our family having eating disorders. Yeah. I don't know why I woke up today with this, but I woke up with this. I think after seeing Karina not have, like, you know, cooking for herself and not having any uh, disorders. Right. And, you know, the rest of the kids turn, like, kind of rounding out their eating stuff and, like, knowing how problematic just that is in this society I'm super grateful because that I think it's an indication of internal health yeah and I'm grateful for feeling very comfortable in the boundaries and the standards that I set in my life when it comes to being involved or invested in people places or things that don't nourish me the way that I want to (laughs) Um, being able to step back or say no thanks um, and having enough internal nourishment in myself and in our family to where we can truly say no thank you when it's not to our degree, even if it's even if it's good, if it's not to our great, then we can say no thank you. Now I'm grateful for an opportunity to actually be facing uh, a time when I have to commit to going in super deeply, uh, deeper than I have before and face all whatever it is that comes up. Right. Uh, and have a uh, trusted guide to help me with that and come out and be excited about what is it that I'm going to find and how to share it. Right. And I'm also super grateful that I speak two languages. Right. And I understand <laughs> the difference between, you know, what I, th- I thought that English is now more comfortable, but I'm like, yeah, there's something that right. connects very it's a different origin story yeah. language. Tian's excited to just understand, like, like get a little like a movie of my yeah. It's like Marvel origin origin stories. story. Great. All right, you guys, keep it going. Please engage. Please like. Please share. Please comment on the podcast. Rate if you're on Podomatic or Apple Tunes. Ask questions. Chime in. We are a resource. Um, the conversation is good one way, but it's greater if it's interactive with you guys. So. Appreciate you guys. Let's continue episode 37, the Black Russian podcast, Love Languages, Tian Buku One. And Yula. The park ranger sometimes. <laughs> Why do I always forget out. that? <laughs> Bye.
Shall we do? 